bigger. And I got those things on, but oh my goodness. Like, yeah. All right. So, like, I had to hold my breath, shake my leg just right, you know, and I finally got them on there. They're painted on. I thought about wearing them this morning, but I, I decided against it. I wanted to spare you guys that sight. So, um, I had these super tight pants. And it's Wednesday, I have to leave on Wednesday, and I finally get my package, and I try them on, and they don't fit, and I'm like, oh no. So I go to Kohl's, they don't have my size, so I've got these super tight pants, so when Eric finally gets his pictures, it's going to be all these guys that look nice and sharp, and then me, who looks like my face is all red, and I'm going to die. So, but I wasn't prepared, and not being prepared is something kind of that I do. Um, like my friend, or my friend, my cousin Tim, he worked with me in the early years of youth ministry. He coined a phrase, he said, poor preparation on your part does not constitute an emergency on mine, all right? Just because you didn't do your stuff doesn't mean that I need to worry about it, all right? Like when I was little, we went to my great-grandma's funeral, and I didn't pack funeral clothes, so we had to stop at JCPenney once we got to Iowa, um, and I had to get new clothes. So when Emily and I went on our honeymoon, um, we went to Universal Studios, and I didn't check the weather, and it poured on us. Um, and so I didn't bring an umbrella or a poncho, so I had to buy $15 ponchos, two of them. All right, and I kept them, all right, because that's a lot of money for ponchos. All right, but you probably can relate. I know uh, somebody in this room, they didn't prepare for a test uh, that they took in college, and they got a 12 on it, Logan, a 12. Um <laughs> And, you know, I know some, some of you, you know, the state isn't sending out those reminders anymore to get your license plate sticker renewed. I'm not going to name any names on this one, but you might have been pulled over or given a ticket. Um, and so, but, like, we don't prepare for things, and sometimes we have those oops moments. We're f- we forget something. We weren't ready for something. And so today, we were supposed to be talking about savings, if you could get that by the, the skit that was going on up here We're not going to talk about necessarily saving money. We're going to talk about preparation because I feel like saving is a form of preparing. And so um, we we need to be prepared for this mission that God is calling us to. And now if you don't believe that you're on a mission, you weren't paying attention last month when Mark was talking. Because it's very clear that we have a purpose, we have a mission. All right, And your purpose and mission isn't just to take up space until you die someday. God has you here for a reason. He has me here for a reason. All right? So we're on this mission, and we need to be prepared for it. Uh, so today we're going to look really quick at Luke 22, 35 through 37. And in this situation, this comes right after Jesus foretells the, um, the, the betrayal by Judas. He, he institutes the Lord's Supper, and he foretells uh, Peter's uh, denial of him. So there's all these things. This is some of the last stuff that Jesus says to his disciples before he's arrested. And he says this. When I sent you out with no money back or knapsack or sandals, did you lack anything? They responded by saying, no, Lord, we lack nothing. Then he said to them, but now let the one who has a money bag take it. And likewise, a knapsack. And let the one who has no sword sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you that this scripture must be fulfilled in me. He was numbered with the transgressors. See, right before Jesus gets arrested, he tells his disciples to be prepared. Before, when he sent them out, like they were able to rely on the goodwill of others. Other people would take care of them. But Jesus says, this prophecy of me being numbered with the transgressors or being numbered among the criminals, being regarded as a criminal, this is going to be fulfilled. And typically, 
friends of criminals aren't really trusted, all right? And people usually aren't super excited to help out the friends of a criminal, all right? So he says, you need to be prepared for the mission that's ahead of you. You need to take these things with you and be prepared for the mission ahead of you. As I said already, we're called to a mission. If you don't know what that is, if you look in Matthew 28, we have this thing, it's called the Great Commission. It's the the last thing that Jesus says in Matthew um, before he leaves. And he says he, he wants his followers to go into the world and make disciples and to teach them everything that he's commanded them. All right, so he, he gives his followers a mission. And as we can see in Luke, he wants us to be prepared for this mission. And so today, we're going to be talking about being prepared for this mission that's ahead of us. And I'm not going to be talking about the knapsack and the sword and that kind of stuff. Instead, I brought my own bag. All right. I brought my own bag of fun. All right, so like these are, these are things that I believe that you can take with you. As you go out and as you try to accomplish this mission, as you go into a hostile world, uh, these are things that I believe that the Bible says you should take with you. Now, this is, this is a real bag, but we're going to be talking about a metaphorical bag, okay? So you don't need to go out and buy extra items, so don't worry. Um, but, yeah, these are things that you can take with you. The other thing you're going to notice is in your, your bulletin, there's not really like questions or fill in the blank. That's because I'm going to ask some questions that you can just kind of think about. And, and kind of figure out where am I with all of these things. Okay, so write down some notes that you can think about later. So, the first thing that's in my wonderful bag here that you need to be bringing with you. Fruit, all right? This is a pineapple, for those of you that don't know. Um, I was looking for an obnoxious fruit to, to illustrate my point here, and this just jumped out at me. So, but you need, to be, you need to be bringing fruit, not for eating, not because there's a chance of scurvy, uh, but, because, well, but because of what Jesus says in Matthew when he's talking to the Pharisees. He says this, he says, Make a good tree, and its fruit will be good. Or make a bad tree, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. See, as you head out into this world, you need to be bearing good fruit. All right? Because people are going to recognize you by the fruit you bear. The fruit that you bring along is an example of your character. Of your good nature. Now, think about, real quick, the people in your life that you trust, or the people that, you know, most people trust. Like, you might come up with some names. I I think of these two people, their names are Virgil and Barb. And Virgil and Barb, they live in St. Louis, Louis, really close to the the college campus where I went to school. And Virgil and Barb just kind of were these great examples of fruit. Like, everybody knew they had an open door, an open couch, an open fridge, you know, an open ear. They wanted to hear you. They wanted to talk to you. They cared about people. You could see their good fruit. And because of that, people trusted them. When Virgil had something hard to say to you, you listened because you knew he cared about you. Because you saw the fruit in his life. When, when Barb said something really encouraging, you knew she just wasn't filling you full of hot air. You knew that she really believed that because she loved you. See, we call these fruits like the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These 
these demonstrations of God living within us. That's what that means, the fruit of the Spirit. Because you have the Spirit, your life should yield these kinds of fruits. So my question to you this morning is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? What kind of fruit are you bringing along in your bag? Is it good fruit? Is it bad fruit? Because the fruit matters. Because like it or not, people are going to judge you based on the fruit that you yield. And if you wear the label of Christian and they don't know Jesus, they may also judge our Savior based on the fruit that you yield. So what kind of fruit are you packing? What kind of fruit are you bringing? All right. So bring some fruit. The next thing. If I can get the zipper open. This is my favorite. If you can't see in the back, these are awesome little rubber duckies. All right. I've got nine of them. All right. So you need to bring rubber duckies. Actually, not really. You need to bring community. This represents a community. All right. You see all the ducks together? All right. That represents a community. They're cute, right? Everybody say, ah, you know, ah, yeah, okay. So you got these nice, cute little ducks. Now, a long time ago, Emily and I, we had the opportunity to go to this awesome conference called Passion. All right, and Passion is for college students. They they talk about um, the Bible. There's a lot of really great worship artists or like worship musicians there. And you sing and you listen. And there's like 40,000 college kids that go. It's in Atlanta. And we've heard a lot of really good sermons. Um, when we've been there. But one sticks out, and Emily and I call it Shark Week. It's by this guy named Judah Smith. And he opens with this story. He's watching Shark Week on the Discovery Channel. Like, anybody ever watched Shark Week? Yeah? All right, it's pretty interesting. And so they're doing this experiment out in the water, and they have this big group of rubber seals together, okay? And then they have one rubber seal all by himself, okay? And so they're watching and then all of a sudden, the shark comes up and just destroys that lone rubber seal and, like, and just eats it. And the scientists, they turn to the, the camera and they go, well, we've learned something here. If you are a seal, it's better for you to be in a group than by yourself. If you want to survive Shark Week, you need to be in a group, all right? And so that was a good illustration. It's a reminder to us that by being together, we are safer Okay, and we are the same way as these seals. I, I, I really wanted seals. They didn't have seals at the Dollar Tree, so we got ducks. But um, like, we, we're like these seals. When we're by ourselves, we're not necessarily in a good place. Like In the very beginning, when God created man, he realized that it's not good for man to be alone. If you read the letters that Paul writes to the churches, um, he, he constantly is talking about how we need to encourage each other and love each other. There's a lot of each other statements in there. If you look at Acts, at the early church, you see people that were selling their belongings and taking the proceeds and giving to make sure that nobody had a need in the church. They were looking out for each other. They had this strong community. We call this community the church today. Like, this is the community that we have, this, this church, this group of people that encourage us and support us. And there's a lot of different ways that we can build that community. If you're in school, whether, like, if you're in grade school, be a part of Big Wednesday. Come to Powerhouse, you know. Come to VBS. Be a part of that community. If you're in junior high or high school, come 
to our junior high ministry or our high school ministry. We have small groups. We have people that want to talk to you. We have other students that want to talk to you and be with you so that we have that community. If you're, in a, if you're a college student or if you're getting ready to head off into college, I, I'm, I can't encourage you enough to be a part of campus ministry on your campus. These are people that are living alongside you. And if you want to, to grow in your faith, be a part of that. I know loads of people that they go to college, they get to be a part of this campus ministry, and their, their relationship with God just explodes because of the relationships they have with other believers. And then finally, if you're an adult, the very basic part of this is just come to church. Be regular about coming to church. I know sometimes these ducks are mean, all right, or they smell bad, all right, and you want to kind of get away from each other. But that's just people. This is how people are sometimes. You have to forgive them. You have to love them. All right? Because we're a church. We're supposed to be together. And maybe you've got this whole going to church thing down. Join a Sunday school. Join a small group. Create an accountability group. Get those, those intimate, personal relationships where you have people you can call when you need help or prayer or support. So how are you building community in your life? It's important. Because the waters are teeming with sharks. And you're not going to survive Shark Week by yourself. So, bring some fruit. Make sure you have your, your team of duckies here. You know, your community. And finally, I knew it was coming. The Bible. Alright? This is the last thing you need to make sure you bring. Alright? Because this is what Jesus says in John 15, 5. He says, I am the vine... And you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. See, if we remain in Jesus, if we remain in his word, we will bear this kind of fruit. But how can we expect to remain in Jesus if we neglect the word that he's given us? We love to do this thing where we just kind of uh, logic God out. We say things like, well, I like this. God likes me. So therefore, God must like me doing this, because God likes me. That's not necessarily, that's not true. <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times it's not true. We try to, to, to just make God our own little person based on our own feelings. We take something that we learn maybe in fourth grade Sunday school, a small truth, and we weave in our own thoughts, our own emotions, and we create a God that may not be biblical. See, God has given us this word so we know him. We know his will for our life. We know what he wants for us. We know what he values. It's all in here. We just have to dig for it. We have to read. We have to see. God is a person, and he's unchanging. And so we've been given the Bible so we can get to know who he is. See, a long time ago, I worked at Walmart. And uh, it was when I was in high school, and I remember my very first day, I was 16 years old, and they set me out in the garden center, and they said, hey, you need to build this grill. And it was in this little teeny tiny box, and it was the cheapest grill we had, and it took me like two, three hours to build this thing. So I built this grill, and I'm feeling really proud of myself. I got one piece left, and it's the basket that holds the propane tank in there, and I go to set it in the place, and it won't fit. So then I try to flip it over, mess with it, bend the legs out a little bit. You know how that goes. And, I, and I'm like, oh, man, 
I better pick up the directions. So I look through the directions, and I flip back, and I realize, oh no, I've built this entire grill backwards. Okay, from the, the very beginning, I just built it backwards. And because I built it backwards, this last piece won't fit. I ignored the instructions, so I had to take apart everything I'd done because I'd built it wrong. See, a lot of times we do the same thing. We've been given instruction, and sometimes we ignore it. We don't look. And it causes pain, it causes hurt, it causes confusion that could have been avoided. So make sure you pack the word. My question to you, for you to think about, is how are you growing in the word? What do you assume about God? And the things that you think you know about God, about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, are those things biblical? Or is it because you've heard me say them? Or Mark say them? And you don't know where to find them? There's a root. Everything that we believe needs to be founded here. So, think about that. Think about the things you believe. Are they here? And make sure you pack the words. See, we're all heading out on a journey. All of us. Maybe we're heading out into our regular everyday lives. Or maybe we're getting ready to step into a major transition. Whether it's going to college or moving into high school. Or maybe moving into a new job. Or moving away. But we're all going through these great transitions. We have this opportunity to pack a bag. To bring some stuff with us. So I want to encourage you to remember to bring some fruit. So other people can see that and they trust you. They know your character based on the fruit you're bearing. Bring a community. Make sure you have a team. Don't try and go through life alone. And finally, be rooted in the truth. Make sure you have the word. Make sure you're abiding in Jesus as he abides in you. So as you head out on this journey, pack your bag and be prepared. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for all these people, and I thank you for this place where we get to come together and worship you. And Lord, I just pray that as we head out of here, that uh, we pack a bag, that we remember to, to bring these things along with us. And Lord, that you encourage us on the journey ahead. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
be seated. Since this is Memorial Day weekend, I'd like to share something written by a lady by the name of Vicki Pierce, writing about the funeral of her nephew James, who served our country in Iraq. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my life. There's a lot to be said for growing up in a small town in Texas. The service itself was impressive with wonderful flowers and sprays, a portrait of James, his uniform and boots, his awards and ribbons. There's lots of military brass. There were easily a thousand people at the service. However, the most incredible thing was what happened following the service on the way to the cemetery. We went to our cars and drove to the cemetery, escorted by at least 10 police car, car lights with lights flashing and some other emergency vehicles with Texas Rangers handling traffic. Everyone on the road who was not in the procession pulled over, got out of their cars, and stood silently and respectfully. Some put their hands over their hearts. When we turned off the highway, suddenly there were teenage boys along both sides of the street with about every 20 feet or so, all holding large American flags on long flagpoles and again with their hands on their hearts. We thought at first it was the Boy Scouts or 4-H Club or something like that, but it continued. For two and a half miles, hundreds of young people standing silently on the side of the road with flags. At one point, we passed an elementary school and all the children 